This is Yoga Chit Chat. Hi, Carrick. Hi, Phoebe. We are exploring a new word today. And the word is in Sanskrit, sankalpa. Translated into English, it is intention. And this is a word that comes up quite a bit in the yoga practice, as well as in a lot of other spiritual and philosophical discussions. So, Carrick, to kick it off, uh, what does the word intention mean to you? The other translation that I've seen, and I don't know how accurate this is from from a scholastic uh, point of view, but heart's desire is the other definition that I've seen, and I really like that. Intention is... I think in yoga, intention is something similar to a goal. Mm -hmm. And so in yoga, we tend not to use the term goal because it implies success or failure. It seems, I don't know, somehow un-yogic to set a goal. I'm not opposed to setting goals. Like I Mm -hmm. set goals for myself all the time Mm -hmm. and they're very important to me. However, in yoga, we'll sort of substitute the word intention for goal. And intention can be just that. It can be like, what what is your goal for yoga? So when I ask students to set an intention for class, I often ask them to think about how they want to leave class or what they want to leave class with. How do you want to feel? Um, What do you want to accomplish? Mm -hmm. What do you want to learn? How do you want to grow? And I do feel that the more specific they can be about their intentions, the more focused they'll be and the better they have a chance of manifesting the intention. If they put the intention out there and it's just really vague, then they sort of fulfill the intention. But if you're very specific, then you can kind of tell like if the f- intention was fulfilled or not. So that that's generally how I think about it. Okay. So do you set intentions for all of your classes when you're teaching and you set intentions when you practice? Oh, yes, yes. So the first way that you asked me about intention, I was talking about intentions for a a yoga class. Mm -hmm. Um, Because very often I'll hear teachers say, set an intention for class, which is great. The follow-up question for me is how? Okay, how do you set an intention? Or what do you mean by set an intention? Um, so for me, I like to give a little bit more explanation to my students about what I mean by that word. And exactly as I sort of described it, how do you want to feel? What's your goal? How do you want to, what do you want to accomplish here? And then for certain, there are intentions that I have as the teacher. From a very simple perspective, I really just want students to feel better when than when they got to class. So when they leave class, I want them to feel a little bit better than when they started. And that's the primary intention of yoga for me as a teacher. Okay. So how do you set that intention? Is it something that you say to yourself before class or think about? It is the guiding principle for everything that I do. It involves really tuning into everyone and trying to figure out where they're at. Like, what kind of day are they having? Are they in pain? Are they suffering? Are they injured? Are they, you know, depending on the population that I'm working with, 
what are their general aches and pains? Where do they tend to be stiff um, or tight? And it's different for people working in an office building, maybe than for people who are climbers at the gym where I teach. And so I try to tune into where people are, and then I'm trying to get them to a place that's better than when they started, either physically, mentally, emotionally, um, maybe even spiritually, if, if I'm lucky. So the intention of wanting people to feel better is it drives everything that I do. So everything that I do as a teacher, I'm hopefully not making them feel worse mm-hmm. or doing things that make them feel worse. And and I mean, mentally, I can't make them feel worse. I can't make them feel bad about themselves. I, I don't yell at my students or at least... I yell in class, but not at students. So I'm, you know, I might be cheerleading and encouraging them and motivating them by raising my voice, but I'm not berating students or somehow punishing them or yelling at them or making them feel bad about themselves um, because that would go against the intention. So the intention drives everything. What is your primary intention for teaching, Phoebe? Well, I'm going to start by sharing my interpretation of intention, which is a bit abstract and walk with me for a minute. Okay. I think of intention as a, a sort of flavoring for consciousness and the visual that comes to mind for me, if consciousness is like a glass of water, I think of intention as like a drop of food coloring that you place into the water and it turns the water a certain color. And there's tons of different colors that the water can become. Mm. And, and this is how I think of intention. Intention is this flavor for consciousness. And so my intention for teaching yoga changes quite a bit because sometimes I want to flavor consciousness a little bit differently. Sometimes my intention for teaching is to very simply help students leave feeling better than when they came. Sometimes it's to share a lesson that I've just learned and I really want other people to understand and integrate into their lives. And then when it comes to my own practice, my intentions change usually daily. And I may be practicing with the intention of focus. I may be practicing with the intention of discipline. And then from there, I often refine it even more. So sometimes I can be practicing with the intention of discipline, but I'll notice I'm being really hard on myself. So I'll refine it to an intention of discipline with Mm self-love. And I I think quite a bit about intention and there's an amazing book I recommend that talks a lot about intention and it's called Seat of the Soul by Gary Zukav. And he he says that intention is is kind of the whole game (laughs) of life. And that as a, a conscious, aware human, you you can set an intention for practically everything that you do. And in doing that, you are choosing the flavor of consciousness that you want 
to experience. So that is not in any text. It is just out of my strange mind. Um, but that's kind of how I visualize and understand intention as a teacher and student. I love that it's a flavor of flavoring for consciousness. So, um, and I do really believe that we can do everything with intention mm -hmm. and that can have a very big impact of our lives. I like your um, analogy, the adding the food coloring to the water because once you add that intention, it colors everything. It colors mm -hmm. all of the water, not just part of it. So when you set an intention to be good to yourself, then it changes everything that you do for that day. Let's say you have an intention just for one day, then everything that you do that day is guided by the intention and that day, the flavor or the color is changed by the intention. So I really love that. In one of my favorite books, The Splendor of Recognition, which I talk about all the time, uh, it's a tantric philosophy book. Um, it's, it's a book that covers the Pratahivya Hridayam, which is a short text. It's only 20 verses uh, outlining uh, tantric philosophy. And the first verse is consciousness out of her own freedom attains the universe. And so everything is consciousness and consciousness creates the universe very intentionally. So it's not by accident, it's not haphazard, it's not that consciousness is forced to do anything, it's out of her own freedom that she chooses to create the entire universe. And so we, as smaller versions of consciousness, we have the same task to create everything in our lives out of our own freedom. And so Consciousness has intention, and so to so do we. We have intention, and consciousness is everything. Uh, we are everything. And then I love the adding the coloring because once you drop that one drop of intention, it starts to change everything. It changes the whole universe. Right. And then what's cool about it is no matter what happens on your mat, what poses you do, or what happens in your life when that intention is still there it turns all of your actions into something that gets you closer to that intention no matter what the actions look like so you can fall on your face on your mat and still be practicing from a place of your original intention maybe it's discipline or self-care in the same way that you can you know miss your bus or uh, have a, a difficult conversation and stay and have it get you closer to your intention even if it feels like the action isn't exactly what you want it to be and that's what's really beautiful about intention is that it 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 flavors or colors consciousness so that no matter what manifests it's still rings true to how you've uh i think of intention as a as a contraction so if you have the expansiveness and infinity of consciousness intention is contracting into one uh one thing one one aspect and so in doing that 
the actions then just become a byproduct. So you have unlimited possibilities in front of you. You right. add intention and then the intention focuses the unlimited possibilities yes. down to just a few probabilities that you're chasing or you're not chasing, you're moving towards. Right. And, and then they hopefully eventually crystallize into a reality. Mm-hmm. And so I, I like that. It's, it's a focus. My favorite Bruce Lee quote, surprisingly, it's not the Bruce Lee quote that's to be like water. That's what everyone guesses first, because it's probably the more famous quote. But my favorite Bruce Lee quote is, a goal is not always meant to be reached. Mm-hmm. It often serves simply as something to aim at. Mm-hmm. We set an intention or slash goal, and the two words are almost interchangeable here. And we're not necessarily going to reach the goal, but it colors everything that we do. So in a yoga class, if the goal, quote unquote, is to do a handstand in the middle of the room, whether you do the handstand in the middle of the room or not is not the most important thing. Just having the intention of working towards the handstand or aiming at it, it'll guide all of the actions towards that goal, towards that target, towards the thing you're aiming at. So in order to stick a handstand in the middle of the room, you would do things like open your shoulders and strengthen your arms and um, keep your core strong and hold the midline. So you would practice all of these various actions aiming at the goal and the goal or the intention drives everything that you do along the way. Yes. Yes. And in some ways, I think of the word intention and goal as as different because having a goal gives you a reason to set an intention. Mm. But what I love about intention is that actualizing the goal, much like our friend Bruce Lee says, isn't the that isn't the necessarily the manifestation of the intention. And Mm -hmm. in many ways, the, the most interesting applications of the intention are during the mishaps along the way to the goal. Sure. My favorite Bruce Lee quote is, and I'm paraphrasing here, is, a master isn't someone who's never made a mistake. Mm. It's someone who rebounds from a mistake so quickly that you can't even see it. And so in my mind, the application of intention to help you rebound from mistakes along the way to the goal is how I think of intention versus it being the goal actualized. Right. I think that goal gets a bad rap because we again we tend to think of goal as pass fail or success and failure um and so we try we tend to shy away from that particular word in yoga and then we use the word intention in some ways i think it's kind of just semantics but if you if you really think of goal as like you success failure then yeah you probably shouldn't use that um that word but in my bruce lee quote he's not using it as success or failure. He's literally telling us that it's just something to aim at. 
it's not necessarily meant to be reached. And so I feel like he's re like Bruce Lee in his wisdom is telling us that, Hey, it's not about goals. It's about intention. And I feel like he's rephrasing this to us or he's teaching us that it's about intention and not a goal. Right. In that context, I think of the word goal kind of like the Sanskrit word drishti, which is a point of focus. And I like the word drishti because you'll mention it sometimes in class when you're getting students to fix their gaze on something still Mm -hmm. and it'll help them uh, take out some of the shakiness. And so I think in the context of this discussion, I think of goals like Drishti as Mm -hmm. something to fix your gaze on that you may never reach, but that helps you stabilize during the process of moving toward it. And I I believe Drishti translates into point of focus. In Anusara Yoga, we like to say that the highest intentions of the practice are twofold. Um, Chit, which is part of our podcast name, and Ananda. So the the two highest reasons or goals or intentions for, for doing the practice are consciousness and bliss. Chit means consciousness in Sanskrit, and Ananda means bliss in Sanskrit. So everything that we do is with those two things in the back of our minds, and that's driving really everything that we do. Right. And I come back to that quite a bit on my mat, especially in moments of turmoil. And I will remember that if I have... In some ways, I don't even think of it as attaining those things as much as remembering them. And those are very helpful intentions for me to to come back to, especially if I've, you know, mucked up a pose or mucked up something teaching. I like to come back to the idea of have I remembered or helped people remember more consciousness and have I helped them remember more bliss? When I say that the highest intentions of Anusara Yoga are consciousness and bliss, I don't mean that somehow you're attaining consciousness or somehow becoming enlightened. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that you're always in your most blissful state ever. Mm-hmm. But everything that we do in the practice as a teacher, this is my intention for my students. I want them to leave the practice being a little more aware so may they learn something about themselves Mm -hmm. about how they interact with the world um about the world itself um that to me is consciousness and or may they leave the class feeling a little better physically mentally emotionally um may they be a little bit happier and that to me is bliss and so everything every pose every every thought, every word is geared towards that high intention of consciousness and bliss. It doesn't mean that they're always leaving my class in a state of bliss or somehow as enlightened beings, but it's a, it's a goal. It's maybe very far off in the distance. Right. um, And we're working towards it. Right. How does the idea of intention 
come into your life off of the mat? Do you set intentions before doing things besides yoga or do you think of it in other contexts? For me, the the idea is that the yoga practice on the mat is it's not just practice just to do more yoga or to get better at handstands or back bends or arm balances or whatever. I call it a yoga practice because what I'm practicing for is life. So I practice setting intentions on the mat. And so much like you were talking about, the intention is not always the same. When I ask students to set an intention, I don't tell them all to set the same intention. So it's not like, hey, everyone, welcome to my class. Today, the intention is to feel freedom in your heart. I mean, I, I could, we could have a theme like that, mm-hmm. but if my if my class theme is Sankalpa intention, then I would ask everyone to sit and maybe remember like, why, why are you here? Why did you come to my class this morning? Did you come here to relax after a stressful week? Did you come here to sweat and work really hard and push yourself? Did you come here to try to forget for one hour about the taxes that you um, owe or whatever. Right. And so the intention will be different for everyone and everyone can set uh, a different intention. And then this becomes the practice so that when they just practice it in a very small way on the mat for an hour and or an hour and a half. And then the idea is that they'll get better at setting intentions for their lives so they can de-stress or find peace or calm down or charge themselves up or um, create a little bit more joy or become more aware off of the mat. Um, And so, yes, my practice is to create different intentions every time I'm on the mat. And then my, my intention, my goal is to be as intentional as possible off of the mat, whether it's in my teaching or in my relationships, I have different, you know, intentions for different relationships, intentions for, um, you know, other activities, you know, everything from climbing to fixing up the backyard, right? There's different intentions. Right. This is a great point of clarification for any Anusara teachers or students who may be listening. I think it's important to note that intentions are different from themes. So we use themes to deepen the practice in Anusara classes. And those are different from intentions. And the way that I think of it is that you can, as a student, integrate and apply the theme with your own intention. And I will sometimes prompt my students to do that. I'll tell them that the theme is, I was teaching someone last night, the theme was presence during the in-between. And I prompted her to take a moment and contextualize that theme with her own intention. So you can practice presence in the in-between from a place, again, from whatever flavor of consciousness that you want for your practice, you can do it from a place of of self-care or from a place of clarity or whatever you desire. 
and so I guess we could, would it be safe to say that intentions kind of individualize and deepen the more broad theme that we teach? Does that make sense to you? Yes. I think what I'm hearing you say is that the, the theme is often very general. You said, did you use the word broad? The theme is, yeah. is very general, very universal. It's very broad. And then intention is very personal. Mm-hmm. And here's the, here's the thing that I love. So the highest intentions of Anusara Yoga, Chit and Ananda. But if you think about pretty much any intention that you've ever set in your life, it's those intentions either lead you towards some type of understanding, learning, growth, or higher awareness, consciousness, and or the intention leads you or someone else to have a little more joy or happiness in their lives. For you and me, at least, I can't speak for everyone in the world, our, our intentions are rarely, hopefully never, um, leading away from consciousness and bliss. So we're not, we don't set goals or, no, we don't set intentions to be more ignorant. Right. And we don't set intentions to create suffering right. in our own lives or in other lives. So when I say the highest intentions of Anusara Yoga are Chit and Ananda, those are pretty abstract, pretty high, very high level. They're the highest intentions. True. And then, so that could be a theme. Right. Because it's so broad. And then everyone in a class of 20 people, there's going to be 20 different intentions for that class. Yeah. For you and me, every time we step into the room, our, as teachers, our intentions are going to be a little bit different, right? For depending on the population that we're working with, depending on what we're experiencing in our lives that day. However, I do believe that no matter what our, no matter what color the food coloring is in that glass of water, no matter what color it is, it turns, the color is one of moving towards consciousness and bliss. Mm. It's never like a black food coloring that turns the water to sludge. Right. right. It's always going to create beauty and joy in that glass of water that's the coloring hopefully if we're if we're doing things in alignment with the highest right and i think it's important to note that on our mats and in our lives we move in and out of being intentional we can set an intention and then you know i think of life as a kind of hide and seek game with intention So in one moment, you can feel very connected to your intention and feel like everything is is aligning with it. And in moments of strife, you can feel very disconnected from it. The practice, of course, is to be as intentional as possible. And just like in meditation, when you've moved away from your intention to simply come back to it without judgment. As imperfect humans, the intention of intention is, you know, to stay with it as much as possible and 
not judge yourself when you've strayed. Sure. I mean, we all have moments when we're not intentional. We all have moments where life overwhelms us with grief or anger or fear and and our our good intentions, our highest intentions get pushed to the side and some of our baser instincts take over. It also mm-hmm. happens in yoga class when we're struggling with a yoga pose, when we're fearful or we have a pose that we hate or we have a pose that creates discomfort. Arguably, it's harder to be intentional or it's harder to connect to the intention. Those are the moments when we need it the most. Right. Yeah. Yes. hundred percent. And again, for me, this is the practice of yoga. So practicing being intentional in the hardest moments when you're being pushed to the edge of your abilities, when you are not at your best, those are the times where the intention becomes even more important. And then if you can do it on the mat, then maybe you can have intention more often off the mat and you just practice in a small way on the mat. And my hope is that it translates to something bigger off the mat, which is, you know, it's something that this country could use right now quite a bit. We, we often, I think as a country, we, in the United States, we've been defaulting to places of fear and anger and separation. And we forget our highest intentions for each other. Um, And this nation is really divided right now, unfortunately. And I think that, you know, we've lost sight of our highest goals. You know, we've lost sight that really we want for everyone to be more aware and more happy in life. Right now, we're just focused so much on, on differences and strife. Right. So for anyone listening, you can incorporate intention into your practice and into every aspect of your life. And it can be as simple as setting an intention when you wake up for the day. And you can just think today my intention is, or my intentions are consciousness and bliss. Today, my intentions are uh, commitment and service. And it can be as simple as a thought I do a lot of intention setting in journaling and sometimes writing it out, even if I can't get to anything except writing one sentence that, you know, today's flavor is is commitment or something like that. I think the conclusion we're getting to is you can't set too many intentions. Life tends to reward us for being intentional. One of my least favorite phrases is the phrase end up. You know, I ended up staying at this job for too long. I ended up staying in this relationship for too long. And I believe that intention is the remedy for feeling victim Mm -hmm. to your circumstances, for feeling out of control. There is not a ton in life that you can control, but what you can control is your intentions. I encourage everyone to practice, just practice setting intentions. Kind of like you said, just set an intention for the morning, each morning for the day, and and just remind yourself. It's really about remembering. Intentions is really about remembering like what, what we want and where we're going and pushing us in that direction, coloring everything with intention. 
And so set an intention for the day, remember it, remind yourself of it throughout the day and see how it changes the day, see how it changes the color of the water. And especially in those moments of, of challenge, intention brings you back to your, to your why, to your reason. Let's list some of our favorite intentions. So we've talked a lot about intention and what it is and yes. at a very high level. Let's give some examples because we keep saying, set an intention, set an intention every yes. morning. Well, what do we mean? What are your favorite? I'm going to have a hard time coming up with my top five, but come up with like top five intentions that you maybe use all the time. Mm-hmm. I've said this one already a couple of times. I'll say it again to emphasize it. I've been practicing a lot of discipline with self-care. Mm. And the reason I qualify that is because I can sometimes practice discipline from a place of self-punishment. Mm. And um, I have, I've really gotten into a, a pretty disciplined morning routine. I'm practicing yoga. I'm doing a couple of kundalini kriyas. I'm doing a journal prompt every day and a meditation. And I can do that from a place of, of discipline because I feel like I'm bad and I need this structure. But what I'm practicing is doing it from a place of discipline with self-care. So doing it because it makes me feel good and it makes me perform better in life. And that's, it's a different intent. It's a different flavor versus, you know, you need to do this because you, you know, you're whack. So that's a good one I've been using a lot. Commitment, you know, always, always works for me, you know, reminding myself to remain committed to the things that I'm working on, especially as a business owner, because, you know, in challenging moments of business, you want to just Mm -hmm. throw the computer out the window. And so I come back to that one quite a bit, you know, can't get enough self-love always, you Mm -hmm. know, coming back to doing things that um, are very compassionate and loving toward yourself. And a big one for me, especially in the context of manifestation, has been clarity. I've realized that manifestation is really a byproduct of being so clear on something that there's almost no other option than for it to materialize. And so a lot Mm -hmm. of when things aren't going our way, it's because of a level of unconscious or conscious um, indecisiveness. And so clarity has been a big one for me. Um, How about you? I have a few just off the top of my head. Some days I'll set an intention to connect. uh, And I mean, just to connect with other people. Um, As a yoga teacher, I'm, I'm alone a lot during the day. And then, and then I just pop into one class or two classes a day. and, And then I'm with a bunch of people, but I'm teaching them. And it's like this one to many communication. So what I'll do is I'll, I'll create an intention for connection to talk one-on-one with people. And so then what that does in the day is it it drives more conversation. So maybe I hang out after class and I, I chit-chat with people more, or I go early and talk to the person at the front desk, or I remember to call my mom that day, and uh, or I remember to text you that day. There's some days where we go weeks without contact, and I'm like, you know what, I should just send Phoebe a text if my if my intention today was connection. Right. And then on the flip side of that, there are other days when my intention is to turn in more. And, you know, maybe I had a big weekend where I was around a lot of people and I had a lot of connection and I just want to 
reconnect with myself. So then maybe I'll have a day where I'm a little more introverted and instead of going to a yoga class, I'll practice at home. And maybe I'll just, instead of going to the gym, I'll just work out at home or something like that. So, and that really will change the whole structure of the day. It'll change kind of the feeling of the day. I think for me also the the self-care I have to remind myself to do that a lot. So just setting aside, or not even setting aside, but creating the intention to be good to myself physically, to take care of myself and do be maybe less active and more restorative. So that that's another intention that I'll I'll often set. For class, it's similar to what you were saying, even though like I always have this intention for people to feel better. Some days the intention is to have people work very hard and experience, you know, something new, to try something new, to do something that they've never done. And I have to push them a little bit to do that. And so the intention for that class is very different than another class where I'm like, okay, today I really just want them to relax. I want them to, I want my students just to feel really open and soft and unstressed and so then that will change or color the way that that class goes. So that 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 can shift quite a bit. So I can get them to my highest intentions, consciousness and bliss. I can get them to the intention of feel good at the end, feel better at the end of class than when you started. But then the intention can change from class to class. So those are just some of the ways that that I'll shift the way things are going around me with intention. I'm thinking through some of our main takeaways from our conversation and what's coming to mind is that in you can't have too much intention. You are never going to overdose on intention and by setting it in various ways and also not attaching to it, you can lead a life that is in alignment with what you desire. I do think that you're right as far as you can't have too much intention. And I want to just clarify that. So the more you live life and do yoga and do every action with intention, the better is what I heard. 100%. You can't do things with too much intention. I think the the place to be careful is you know, intention, we talked about intention being something that gives us focus, mm-hmm. right? The You have the myriad of possibilities, and then your intention focuses it down to maybe a few probabilities or potentials, and then it crystallizes into one reality. Mm-hmm. So then we can have a few good intentions to help us focus. If we have too many intentions, like too many separate intentions, that can add to the clutter and the unfocused mind if we try to do too much or try to have too many intentions. So when you wake up in the morning, maybe set one intention for the day, not 50 intentions for the day. Because if you set 50 intentions, you probably won't be able to do all of them. That's a great point of clarification. And coming back to the analogy we were using, if you set too many intentions, then your the color of the water is going to turn into sludge oh my gosh yes that's a great i like the analogy you put too many drops of food coloring it just turns black right 
versus sticking with one and really yeah. appreciating the purity of one color. So that's that's a great point of clarification. And the other takeaway I'm I'm taking away from this conversation is the idea of intention as contraction. So in the ever expanding universe in the infinite realm of consciousness and possibility there are unlimited intentions so by choosing one you are contracting and i loved what you said crystallizing it into reality so intention is something that helps us focus and and remain clear mm -hmm. whether the intention manifests or crystallizes exactly the way that we wanted it to is not really the point it's mm -hmm. not, well, no, it is the point, but it's not the most important thing. Right. There's so much to be gained along the way because of the intention. So if mm -hmm. we set good intentions, strong intentions, if we set strong intentions, then whether the intention crystallizes or manifests in the perfect way that we want it to, it may not, but still we'll, we'll have all of these beneficial things happen to us along that path, getting there, right. trying to get there, aiming at that intention. Right. So may we continue to be intentional on our mats and in our lives and to bring in Sankalpa as a way to, to craft our reality in ways that feel good and expand our consciousness and bliss and drop us a line let us know um what your intentions are uh what intentions you like to set um give us some examples of how intention has shifted your yoga practice or your life we'll see you next time thanks everyone <laughs>